And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Stone Weasels, Stone Martin Weasels, are over on Odyssey. It looks like we're broadcasting to Odyssey, but I can't see it. Welcome, everybody, and uh, thank you for joining us here. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. Happy to have you all along with us. I see David, Manny, and Keeley all in the chat. Good to see you all here. And for those of you who are live and you're sitting on the sidelines, you're welcome to jump in the chat and share your thoughts. If you are watching this in replay, you can leave a comment. And uh, you can always send us an email live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. Share your thoughts. Let us know uh, if you have a particular guest you'd like us to uh, invite, or if you've got a topic you want us to cover, we are more than happy to entertain those suggestions. And we'll move forward from there. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, yes, we mentioned the chat, the comments, emails. I uh, also want to uh, point you toward all of our social media channels. We are currently sitting on 10 of them, <clears throat> which is probably 11 too many. And uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things, right? You can sign up for our newsletter. We're on four different video platforms, Odyssey, Rumble, YouTube, and Twitch. And uh, I guess I guess Facebook counts as a video platform when we're sending video to Facebook so there's that so anyway yeah Dave are the Stone Martin Weasels ever truly gone I don't think they are I don't think so uh, for those of you speaking of uh, listening to this as a podcast want to want to give a shout out to people who are listening to us in Spain and Germany and Romania and United Kingdom Iceland. We've got listeners in Iceland of all places. We're good to have all of you here. New Zealand, Russia, Canada. People from all over the world. And it's very gratifying to me to know that there are people out there listening to this show, taking the time and, and giving us the attention when you could be doing other things. So uh, we're very happy that you're here. At whatever time and whatever method you're using to uh, to spend with us, so we're glad uh, we're glad to have you along. All right, so tomorrow on the program, it's not going to be a live show. We're going to record, but we will have on the program tomorrow Eric and Julia Lewald. Eric was the story editor on X-Men, the animated series. Julia was a writer, and uh, they will be on the program tomorrow talking about their experience with X-Men, the animated series, as well as other projects. But uh, I think we'll probably touch on a little bit about the new X-Men 97, because I understand they're involved in that as well. You know, some of the uh, original cast returning for that. So we're going to be talking to them about X-Men and other projects tomorrow here on the program. So be around for that. Make sure that you tell other people about it. We will uh, we will be blasting that out on social so you can share it uh, and let your friends and network contacts know that we're going to be talking X-Men tomorrow. All right, so... Today, I thought I would explore an idea that's kind of in the back of my head for a while. Uh, I've adjusted the floor bump shot camera so that you can see a stack of books here on my desk. And this is not where they normally sit, 
But for the purposes of illustration today, my visual aid today is this stack of books. It's a very small stack compared to all of the different books that we have here on in the studio, on the shelves, in boxes, as part of our review pile. And at the top of the, the, the stack, I've got Cat Rambo's You Sexy Thing. This is one I'm reading now. This came out in November, and uh, we've interviewed Kat about it. Had her on the program a couple of times now. <coughs> Excuse me. And this, this is not a bad book. This is a, this is a rather enjoyable book. The story is pretty solid. It holds together pretty well. The pace is good. I mean, I'll have I'll have a formal review that I'll write up. There's a couple of quibbles that I've got about it, but I have to admit. that I was, for a while, reluctant to read this book. And it pains me to say that, but there are a number of books in the review pile that I am reluctant to open up and read. And... It's, it's a personal failing on my part. It's a professional failing on my part. Not so much because I don't like a particular author or I don't like this kind of story. I mean, if it's a horror story, I pass it on to the horror department. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of horror at all. But science fiction and fantasy, I'm, I'm perfectly fine reading those books. The reluctance comes from a couple of different places. One of those being the unfamiliarity that I have with these authors. I have not read books by X and so author before, and I don't know if I'm going to like it. And there's a certain amount of hesitancy there because what if I don't like it? Because if I don't like it, then one, I've wasted my time. But have I? It's not really a waste of time to determine if there's something that's not worth your time. Because, I'll give you an example, Chuck Wendig. <clears throat> I read his book, Aftermath. I didn't like it. And so I have pretty much determined that Chuck Wendig does not write stories that entertain me, so I can go ahead and skip the rest of whatever Chuck, Chuck Wendig writes. The, the other side of that hesitancy and reluctance comes from observing the behavior of some of these authors online, Wendig being a good example of that, <coughs> but not the only example of that. There are plenty of authors of a certain particular stripe, let's say, who behave rather badly online and treat people rather badly online and because of that I'm not very inclined to read anything that they've written. Now that's a personal thing. On the professional front I have to be a little bit more open and objective because we have all of these books that need reviews. They don't need reviews, but, you know, I've said, sure, we're interested. We'll do a review. So they send us these books. I've got a pile dating all the way back to 2012, various different books that we've had. Now, some of those books I've been really reluctant to put in, to, to pick up because they're in a series. And I don't have the time or the wherewithal to, to sit through and read six other books or 14 other books or 25 other books or three other books in order to get to this book to do a review. That, that presents a challenge in terms of uh, available time and time management and all of the different hats that I wear and all of the different things that everybody on the team is committed to doing already. But as I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about... Cat Rambo's book in particular, but other other ones as well. This idea of things what are new has been percolating and and examining this reluctance to try something new. I thought, why don't we talk about this a little bit? 
because I'm sure I'm not the only one <clears throat> who sits and thinks, oh, I've got this new book that I want to read. I need to read it. I should read it. What you know, a friend of mine recommended it and I told her I'd read it or you know whatever whatever the reason that you have for trying something new and you're reluctant to do it for whatever reason. What? You have a mic. Yes, you're going to talk. Camera, but I don't want a camera. Either. Well, the camera the camera is currently not working. Oh, good, good. No, I'm just thinking of what you're saying, and it's kind of like this last book that I've picked up to read since I, you know, help out on that front. Um, choosing Claudia Gray's book that we've had on the pile for how long? Right. Because I've written enough with Star Wars news and Salacious Crumbs, and she's part of that group who's writing for the High Republic and all and we make comments on where those things are going with the High Republic and all. And so, you know, my thought was, okay, well, here's one of her books. It has nothing to do with Star Wars. Let me see what she writes like before I make comment too much. I mean, I don't know what she's writing now with the Star Wars stuff, but at least I get a chance to read her writing in yeah. general and get an idea of it. And I have to say, so far with the book, the, I like the book so far. Uh, I'll give a little. I'm on chapter five now. Um, I do like it so far, and it is an easy read. Which, if the High Republic books are aiming toward younger by chance a little, mm -hmm. then I think that as of right now, I'm going to say she's safe. Now, story wise, with Star Wars, I don't know, but at least for writing for a younger age group. Yeah. She's she's definitely in that. And as to your comment and with having jumping in the middle of a series, you know that that's been my thing as I happen to keep picking up books that are like book 4 out of whatever. And <laughs> right. I mean, yes, we we ended up having that happen a few times and Goodreads is a good place to go f catch up on everything unfortunately. But then there have been the books that I've enjoyed in our pile and actually have actively sought out to find a copy of the next one on my own. So, right. Anyway, I just had to put my two cents in. Well, since I, I have a mic. Yes, you do. <coughs> well, I think the, the other part of that is, you know, we, we look at... <sighs> we look at things like the online behavior stuff. And and we look at what other people are saying about things. You mentioned Claudia Gray and the whole High Republic thing. There are a lot of people that have opinions about the High Republic initiative. And some of them probably have not done very much in the way of reading uh, the stuff that's in the High Republic. People, people have a tendency to prejudge. And I have been guilty of that myself where you know i've got a book that okay i need to read this so i can do a, a review and instead i turn around and uh, pick up uh, an old star trek book from pocket from the 80s you know i'm, I'm gonna read i'm gonna read uh, dwellers in the crucible for the sixth time instead of picking up this new book that i've got to write a review on the idea of the unfamiliar, I think, is probably a little bit more of an issue sometimes than we might want to admit. Where we have somebody telling us, oh, this is a really good book, you should check it out. Or this is a really good movie, we should check it out. You know, the Batman is a good example of that right now. A lot of people saying really good things about it. But there are people who have made up their minds ahead of time because various different things that have come out about the the film, you know, pieces of dialogue and casting decisions and whatnot, there are people who have made up their minds that this is going to be woke. Uh, it's not. The, the, um, the, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the same way. We hear things about things, we hear things, and we make up our minds. Uh, Dave, you got a good point. Um... <clears throat> You know, the whiteboards from the prep for High Republic was all I needed to decide that it was not for me. 
and that's a valid opinion. That's a valid uh, a valid viewpoint, and and that's a decision that's based on information that you experience. You come in and it says, okay, well, I see this, and this indicates to me what kind of stories they want to tell, and I'm going to nope out of it. And that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. The danger comes in assuming based on limited information, what the entirety of a thing is going to be. And I've been guilty of this myself, and I'm not saying that anyone, any one particular person is doing this. I'm saying a difference in perspective sometimes can help or hinder, depending on where you're coming from. Because if you make... Well, and, and Dave says, you know, the force being number seven on the list. I don't know that I don't know that list was in any kind of order of priority. I mean, to be fair, it's a it's a it's a brainstorming list. I mean, who knows what the what the particulars were because we weren't there. We weren't there for that meeting. So we don't know exactly entirely what was discussed, how it was discussed, how those things got put on the board. Um, I, I, I am with you though, however, on not being interested at all in dinosaurs in the Star Wars universe. So, uh, that's just my particular thing. But, you look at something like Brandon Sanderson, and we talked about his success with this Kickstarter last night in the H2O po uh, podcast. I almost did it again. I have gone so long... Without trying to say H2O Project, I almost did it right there. What is that? <clears throat> On the H2O podcast last night, we talked about Brandon Sanderson's Kickstarter, which is uh, currently sitting at... Let me pull this up here because he's making bank. It's currently sitting at 25,900... No, sorry, 25,940,000. And it's got 23 days to go. I've made the prediction that this thing could do 125, 125 million. So, there is that. Uh, Wolverine 626 uh, has a good point. Bat Sparkles may be a nice joke, but it's not a valid criticism toward the movie. Agreed. I think Robert Pattinson acquitted himself well. Uh, I'm not too keen on his emo Bruce Wayne, but we didn't see emo Bruce Wayne a lot. This is very much a Batman detective story. And it's a little rote. It's a little by the numbers, but uh, it holds together. And despite the pace and the fact that it's 20 minutes too long because of the pace... I think it's a solid movie. But this this reluctance to try new things. I want to I want to challenge us. I want to engage us and and point out <clears throat> that there are things out there that you could be enjoying but you're missing out because you haven't decided to get outside the comfort zone. I've done it. I, I, I have, I, I'll be the first to admit. It's very easy for me to pick up a Star Trek book from the 80s, a Star Wars book from the 80s or 90s, A David Weber book that I've read five times before. A Dragon Riders book that I've read four or five times. It's much easier for me to pick those up than it is for me to finally crack open Isaac Asimov's foundation. That's an intimidating work. This is Isaac Asimov's foundation, and I haven't read it. And I know I should read it. I need to read it. It needs to be in my lexicon of understanding science fiction and the history of science fiction and the foundation pardon the pun, of all of science fiction. The influence that Asimov had on the genre. But at the same time, I'm sitting there thinking, eh, it's a really big book. And it's, and it's Asimov, so it's going to be really dense. 
and what? Well, I'm just saying, mm. like, I'm new to this, right? I've read, I have read my share of different fantasy books, and but it's all been recent people mm-hmm. in the last, you know, 20 years as I've grown up or something. But the classic art or the classic authors yeah. like him or some of the other ones have been intimidating because it's like I I don't know what to expect, I guess. And it took me having to see this Dune movie that just came out to be okay, usually my th- my th- my role is read the book and then see the movie because the books are always better for the most part. And wanting to know, since I've got plenty of time till the second half comes out, at least I can read it. And it helps going into the book, being able to pronounce words. You know me and trying to pronounce things. And if I can't say it in my head, then I have kind of a little bit of an issue because I don't know if it's right. And it's an insecurity in myself that I shouldn't really have because whatever I put in my head is going to be there. Mm-hmm. But having those words said and being able to hear it enough that, okay, when I'm reading the book, I can do this now. And what, I I blew through the first book how quickly and I blew through the second book faster than that? Yeah. And, you know, I'm pretty much like, oh, okay, it's, and I only read a couple chapters a night and, you know, hey, I need the third book. Well, I don't have the third book. Okay, so I'm online trying to find out who in town has the third book. <laughs> but I'm also right. being good in reading a review book in between because I could probably just charge through these books. I was not expecting to absolutely love it. So if I can handle that, maybe I can handle another classical science well, fiction fantasy author I think I think and that's that's another part of this is you know you you don't know what you're going to enjoy until you try it and if you don't like it then does that sour you on that author uh, overall for everything that uh, that that person has written? Uh, Manny says, never heard of the Foundation. Uh, Isaac Asimov wrote a number of books in the Foundation series that actually ended up connecting pretty much everything that he wrote into one big story universe that spans hundreds of thousands of years millions of years in the in the foundation series and was it apple who's doing the foundation series is it apple that's doing that uh, yeah a- i think apple is doing foundation uh as a tv adaptation it's it's one of those you know you you look at asimov and heinlein and bradbury and and ted sturgeon and and campbell and you know uh all of the all of the greats, right? <clears throat> and uh, James Gunn, Doctor James Gunn, not not Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn. Um, yeah, you know, Robert Block and Arthur C. Clarke, and, you know all all of these you know, that that have come before, and some of them. I, I will admit I've not read a good number of the of some of the books because it's just okay I know I need to read it but I haven't and I got to get around to it but I haven't Dave says hasn't read foundation as well I'm not alone well it's good it's good that I'm not alone but it's also it's also good to remind all of you that you're not alone in you haven't read something or you haven't watched something or you haven't seen something in the movies or you haven't listened to something. It's, it's tough sometimes to get out because it, there's a comfort zone factor to it. And there's also a familiarity component to this because I know what I'm going to get when I pick up a pocketbook Simon & Schuster Star Trek novel from the 80s. Because I've read them. And they had a certain standard and they had a certain style and I know exactly what I'm going to get with those. 
how much for just the planet notwithstanding. And I know I know it's a favorite of Mr. Harvey's. I didn't like it. I read it once and I've t- and I've told him I probably should read it again. But I haven't because I did not enjoy it the first time and I don't think I'll enjoy it in, uh, on a second reading. I might. I'm older now. And that's the other thing, too, is, you know, there are a number of stories that I read when I was younger that I didn't enjoy that maybe I'll enjoy now that I'm 52. You know, 18-year-olds have different sensibilities than 50-year-olds. So there's that as well. You know, maybe you're sitting there, you're looking at things and saying, you know, I've been hearing about this Orson Scott Card guy. Maybe I ought to try it. And McCaffrey. Highly recommend Anne McCaffrey. But you know, we mentioned Brandon Sanderson. I have not read the Wheel of Time stories from Robert Jordan. And Sanderson was selected out of how many different authors to complete the Wheel of Time series. And Sanderson's got a very large, very loyal, very dedicated following. People who have, have enjoyed his work. He's a workhorse. He gets stuff done. He brings a yeoman's attitude to get the job, you know, get the story told. <clears throat> and now here he is, surprised. He's got four novels and a graphic novel written in two years that nobody knew about. And he's doing this Kickstarter thing. And he's nearly $26 million in the project. I've never read Brandon Sanderson. I probably should. Wolverine 626 says, My go-to books have been Reacher since watching the Tom Cruise movie. Prior to that was The Sword of Truth books by Terry Goodkind. I have not read Terry Goodkind. I have not read Terry Pratchett. <clears throat> I know, as, as, as much... As much as it pains me to admit, have I read Pratchett? I don't think I have. Now that I'm sitting there thinking, no, I I have not read Terry Pratchett. I should read Terry Pratchett. Maybe I've read one. It's been it's 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 been forever and a day. If I have, um, I don't think I have. <coughs> But it's one of those things that I sit there and think, well, you know, I should I should try these things. But I don't wanna. I'm hesitant. And it's not it's not that I'm intimidated. I know and I know that can be a factor too. Dave, you're right. You know, even the, the idea of trying to choose a title from the long list, that in itself can be intimidating. You you've got an excellent point there. Because where do you start? You know, it's it's there are so many different things that are out there, and, and the foundation of science fiction as a genre is so deep and goes back so many years. And if I'm going to admit to myself, and if I'm going to admit to, you know, general public at large, I would much rather, I would be more inclined to catch up on the old classic science fiction rather than read anything new. Because the new stuff is potentially potentially loaded with identity politics and lectures and sermons. I don't really particularly feel inclined to, to, to put myself through that. <clears throat> and I will admit that one of the reasons that it took me so long to pick up Cat Rambo's book is I thought that would be in there. And it's not. I'm pleasantly surprised at how much I'm enjoying this book. Minor quibbles aside, it's it's a it's a good story. But you know, you have to you have to take the risk and put yourself out on the limb and say, okay. I'm going to try this new thing, this new flavor. I may not like it, but you're not going to know. It's like it's like when your parents when you when you're young and you get something new on your plate at dinner time and you turn your nose up at it and say, "I don't want any of that. I want a grilled cheese. I don't want any broccoli." You know? 
well, you, I, I'm not going to like this. Well, how will you? How do you know until you? Unless you try it, how do you know unless you try it? I mean, how many of us got that from our parents at one point or another? How are you going to know that you don't like it? If you don't try it. And yes, I know I'm opening myself up here at home for certain things to befall me. Wolverine 626 says, This Sanderson guy could do in two years what George R.R. Martin hasn't done in, what, a decade? Granted, Sanderson is younger, but still. Yeah, well, and... You know, Sanderson has a reputation for being a workhorse. I mean, he's he just gets in there and just does it. Um, he's you know, it's it's that uh, that mentality of uh, I I don't want to say commitment, but you've got a job to do. This is the job, and you spend X and so amount of time per day on the job, and you get something done. And I don't think, I don't think that Martin cares about Game of Thrones anymore. I haven't read any of the Song of Ice and Fire books. I should. See, again, it's on that, it's on that list. But if he's not going to finish it, then why should I start it? Because... Whatever reason, perhaps Martin has soured on the whole thing because of what happened with season eight of the show. Maybe he's reluctant to pick it up and finish it because there's an inevitable backlash of some sort, possibly. I mean, he's already feeling the heat because people are sitting there going, where's the book? Where's the book? Where's the book? Where's the book? I don't think it's ever going to be finished personally. But that's just based on impressions that I get from everybody talking about it. And seeing news items come across the transom of all of these different other projects that George R.R. Martin is involved in. And where is where is this book? Radio Retrofuture says it's coming. What is what is the it that you say is coming? What am I talking about? It's coming. Are you talking about Martin's book? I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's ever gonna see the light of day. I don't think David Gerald is ever gonna finish his his book that he's been promising forever in the tour line. Patrick Rothfuss has a book that he's supposedly been working on for what, six, seven, eight, ten years now? Where is it? And, you know, you get into, we talked about Sanderson's crowdfunding. You look at some of the other crowdfunding projects that have yet to be delivered. I mean, you know, B. Clay Moore has got one that's, what, 10 years old and hasn't fulfilled? Brianna Wu's got one that's never going to be fulfilled. Several of them are late. You know, it's the nature of the beast. You get you get tied up doing other things, sure. But at least explain, hey, I got tied up doing other things. It's late. All right, when we come back, I want to address <clears throat> I want to address the Disney thing, but I want to keep going on this for a little bit. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We are vengeance. We are the night. We are Sci-fi for me. (coughs) Sci-fi for me is about to take you on an incredible journey into the realms of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors. Conventions and fandom. Previews and reviews of movies and television. Sci-Fi for Me is working to be the most popular science fiction magazine in the solar system. Subscribe now and enter the fantastic world of Sci-Fi for Me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Foreign Bodies, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV.
Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here, along with you, all of you who are here, who are regularly here. It's always fun seeing new names in the chat, but it's it's good to see names come back. I guess that means we're doing something that's uh, that's worth the time, and and I appreciate I appreciate that. The email address live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. You can always leave a comment. Uh, you can jump in the chat while we're live. Share your thoughts. Are there authors? Are there books that you have yet to pick up just because you're procrastinating on it? You're delaying for whatever reason. You're whether you're intimidated or. You just, oh, I just don't know. This guy's acting like an ass on Twitter, and I just don't want to give him the time of day. What? What is it? What makes you reluctant to pick up a book or a series or an author that you have not encountered, enjoyed, experienced before yet? What keeps you from picking up that book? What keeps you from putting that movie in the DVD player or, or, or streaming it on Netflix or going to the movie theater? What keeps you from that title, that story? Is it online behavior from the author or actor or director or producer or publisher? Because <clears throat> for some people, that's, that's enough. Is it, I don't like the, I don't like the story synopsis. I, I read this other one book by this person and I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to like any other book by this person, even though it's a completely different genre, it's a completely different story universe or whatnot. What are the reasons why you don't pick up that story at some point and say, you know, I think I'm going to try this. Because it's tough. We get comfortable. We get in our little box and we're sitting there saying, okay, I've read David Weber. I enjoy David Weber. I'm going to pick up anything anything that David Weber writes, I'm going to read. Now, I have not read his safe hold stories yet. I should. I need to pick those up. And... David Weber has collaborated with Eric Flint. And I hear really good things about Eric Flint's work. Sam Sentman here on, on the team has, has read a lot of Eric Flint stuff. He's always oh, it's great. I haven't read Eric Flint outside of his collaborations with David Weber. And I should pick up a, a, a an Eric Flint book. John Ringo, same way. John Wright. Larry Correa. Mary Robinette Kowal. I should pick up these books. I should be reading more. Of course, I need to manage my time a little better. <clears throat> I'll say that while, uh, while Mrs. Boss is out of the office. Wolverine 626, primarily just the reading part. If I'm not into a book, I tend to fall asleep. Can't do that work. They don't like you sleeping for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, work. Yeah, sleep and work. They don't, uh, unless you're unless you're being paid to sleep for work. Now, if you can negotiate that, tell me how you did it. Um, because <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, Dave, uh, managing time is a is a big thing. Manny says, I know for me it can be difficult to try new shows because of how the people working on them go after the fans calling them names and more. And, that, and, and that's a big thing, especially now. But let's take that let's take that part out for a second. Let's let's look at let's look at the historicals for a minute. Let's not look at modern today stuff, stuff that's being currently made. Let's look at the older stuff for just a second. Because Robert A. Heinlein is not going to be on Twitter calling you names. So, just let's, let's, let's demark, uh, you know, let's have a line of demarcation. 
the people that are making the things now, I can totally understand not wanting to have anything to do with anything they make because of the way that they treat you online. I mean, I mean I've been in that same boat. Chuck Wendig, Mark Wade, um, uh, uh, what's her name? If you don't like my politics, don't buy my book. Kelly Sue, De- Kelly Sue DeConnick. All of those people are just garbage tier personalities at times. I'm going to allow for the times when they actually can be nice and respectful to certain people. But they have behaved in a way that you're right Manny it's 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 very difficult to want to pick up anything that they have created because of how they have been toward the public toward their potential customers and that is that's a whole that's a whole show in and of itself right there but let's 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 go back further a little bit and let's let's put a delineation between the stuff that's being made now and the stuff that's been here for quite a while. And Dave, you're right. Uh, you know, the producers of MASH never attacked the fans and audience. At least, as far as we know, at least publicly they didn't. So let's go back to the original Star Trek, Foundation, Heinlein, Clark, Asimov, Bradbury, um, Twilight Zone, Outer Limits. I mean, it could be anything. Dragon Riders, Dracula... How many people have not read Frankenstein? How many people have not read Bram Stoker's original Dracula? How many of you have not seen Sharknado? How many of you have not seen Sharkula? Well, you probably haven't seen it because it isn't out yet. It's out in April. This is a thing, folks. <laughs> we got a trailer on it the other day. Sharkula, a vampire shark. I kid you not, they have actually made this thing. And there's actually, from the same company, Sharkenstein. I'm thinking we're going to have to do a triple feature because you got Sharkula, you got Sharkenstein, you've got Noah's shark. Now... I can think of a particular reason why I would not be interested in any of these three stories. But that sounds like a triple feature right there, right? You know, get some pizza and 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 watch Sharkula. My goodness. All right, so, you know, but it's... What keeps you from doing it? What keeps you from engaging in those stories? Maybe, maybe we need to have us a challenge here. Everybody commit to picking up, and, and we'll keep it. We'll keep it to books because TV shows you got multiple episodes and, and and all of that. Let's keep it to books because they're easier to find. Take take a book on your reluctant list, haven't gotten around to it list, not sure if I want to list, and let's put it over on the. Let's read it list. What's what's a book, a story, that for whatever reason has been on your list, but you just haven't gotten around to it? <clears throat> Let's get around to it. Let's take the time and let's make the effort and pick up a story that you know you need to read. Not necessarily need to read. You want to read it, but you haven't gotten around to it for whatever reason. Let's 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 do that. Let's pick up that book that you have been forever saying, "I'm going to read that someday." Well, let's make someday this day. Let's let's pick it up and let's start reading. It'll be our get around to it book club. Maybe. That might not be a bad idea. <coughs> Speaking of bad ideas, uh, just a very, very quickly here on the on the last part of this, I want to address something that's come up because it's been talked about over on the uh, on the socials, of course. But um, Bob Chapek has raised some ire 
with his recent memo, uh, with uh, with his comments with regard to the to the legislation that's making its way through uh, Florida, uh, the Florida legislature, and Valiant Renegade has a very good video a conversation with Cameron Pasha uh, about this, but I want to I want to throw my two cents on it just just on this last bit. <clears throat> Chapek is smart. Bob Chapek is very, is is making the right moves, and with this memo, basically comes in and says, "All right, as a company, he says, I've I've had a lot of people that have said, why hasn't Disney come out publicly against this bill?" And it's been characterized several different ways in the hyperbole and rhetoric of the day. But the actual bill itself doesn't do what people are wanting to make it out to be that it does. And Chapek says, people have been wanting us to come out as a company and make a statement on this and take a position and advocate against the bill. And we're not going to do that. He says, we're going to support our employees... And whatever lifestyle they choose, that's fine, and we're going to be inclusive, and we're going to be supportive of their choices and that sort of thing, and, and okay, fine. And we're going to continue to make films and tell stories and TV shows and whatnot that are inclusive, that, that show a positive, everybody get along, all of these different things. And in the meantime, he also admits that they contribute, and he's, it's right there in the memo, that they contribute to both Republicans and Democrats in elected office. The reason for that is the access. He says we have to be able to have conversations with everybody that's involved in this legislative process, not just the ones we agree with. And Cameron Pasha makes a good point. This memo would not have gone out as written without Susan Arnold's blessing. And I want you to stop and consider for a second that the current chairman of the board, chairwoman of the board, the person who replaced Bob Iger, Susan Arnold, is a member of the LGBTQ community. And you can bet that she saw this memo before Chapek put it out. And you know that Chapek put this memo out knowing that it was going to go to the press, knowing that it was going to get coverage. This is an official position without being an official position. This is Disney finally sitting there saying, we are not going to get into the drama of politics over creating our stories. Disney is not a political action committee. We are an entertainment company. And you combine this with those three pillars that he came out with here a few weeks ago. Where he says, we're not going to make the audience our adversaries anymore. And this is a complete 180 from what Disney was doing under Bob Iger when that, uh, when that bill, that abortion bill came through in Georgia. Where they basically sat there and threatened to pull all of their production work out of Georgia because of this thing. That definitely was a political move. Disney's not doing that now. But stop and consider how many Disney employees live in Florida. It's about access, one. But it's also about staying in your lane. And I think Bob Chapek understands that because he's got other priorities that he has to focus on in order to save the company, to turn the company around so it's making a profit after the last couple of two, three years where they were hurting. We're coming out of the pandemic. Dave says our stream has frozen. I don't see. Oh, we're back. Okay. Weasels, weasels, weasels in the system. But I think this memo shows that Bob Chapek understands that he needs to be very careful in what kind of things the Walt Disney Company advocates for 
or against. And he understands that there are times when you just stay out of it. This is a very smart man. He's, he's, he's figuring it out. And none of this would be going out without Susan Arnold's blessing. And stop and consider that. That's all I'm going to say about that one because I, I don't want to get too, too deep in the weeds on that one. Um, we might, one of these days, and it's got to be sooner rather than later, I, I definitely want to bring the rancor pit back so we can have some good discussions about this. But I, I'm, we might bring in uh, Valiant Renegade and Cameron uh, to talk about this a little bit further because it is a topic worth discussing. Uh, I do think that it's uh, that it's worth a little bit more time examining than just you know my ten minutes here. So we'll probably circle back around to that whenever everybody's available. But in the meantime, you can go see Valiant Renegade's video where he's talking about it with Cameron over on his channel, uh, and it's Valiant with two L's. I'm not sure why. I haven't asked him yet. But go check that out. In the meantime, I think that's going to do it for us today. We're gonna we're gonna wrap this up tomorrow. Eric and Julia Leewald will be here talking about X Men, the animated series, and then on Thursday, I think I don't know. Do we have a new Superman and Lois this week? I think we do. In which case, uh, the youngling and I, James, will be back in here. We'll be talking about that on Thursday, and uh, then we'll have a brand new Good Morning Multiverse on Saturday morning with all the week's headlines. So everything just continues to go relatively smoothly here it is 380 episodes on this show we're very very quickly climbing toward 400 we're gonna hit that milestone sooner than you know it so uh so that's gonna do it for us if you are new to the channel we do invite you to subscribe turn on those notifications hit that bell and sit all so you know when we put stuff out uh, because we have a lot of live programs. We have uh, some pre-recorded stuff that we put out every week, almost every day. And uh, we will continue to do that as long as you keep coming back and enjoying what we do. So uh, if you've got feedback, like I said, you can send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. You can leave a comment here. Join us over on all of the social media channels and Find us on Odyssey. We're trying to build our audience up over there. Right now we're sitting at 152. I'd like to get that number up higher, but uh, we'll see how that goes. And uh, if you are inclined to throw a little change our way, there's a couple of ways you can do that. We've got a PayPal tip jar and we've got a Subscribestar account that we are currently con conversating about how we're going to revamp and update that. So... Uh, be be looking to our socials for those announcements. In the meantime, uh, check out any of the rest of the videos that we've got here. Subscribe, share, hit the thumbs up on your way out. We will be back tomorrow. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.